Today on the Craft Room Podcast, I'm going to share with you the top seven things you need to begin crochet. This is episode 18. Welcome to the Craft Room Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Lewis, professional crafter, craft teacher, and all-round craft enthusiast. This podcast will help you get great value from your craft supplies and perhaps help you discover new techniques, ideas, and products to take your crafting to the next level. There is so much craft to talk about, so let's dive right in. Hello, welcome to the Craft Room Podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me today because we are talking about one of my favorite things to do, and that is crochet. More specifically, the top seven things you will need to begin crocheting for the first time or maybe after a long hiatus. It's a pretty common sense kind of list I've got for you today. I am also going to share with you the number one thing that makes people give up on crochet just when they are about to make a big breakthrough. And spoiler alert, it's not stitches. All right, so crochet, essentially the best way I think I can describe crochet is it is the art of looping yarn through yarn with a stick that has a hook on the end. It sounds really primitive, but you can use one crochet hook, a metal rod with a hook on the end to loop this yarn around itself and make a finished piece of cloth. I mean, it's quite something. So in order to crochet, there aren't a lot of things that you need and it's a pretty affordable and very portable craft. I think we should just dive straight into the list. All right. Number one, a crochet hook. You cannot crochet without a crochet hook. It is vitally important. Now, anyone who doesn't really know the difference between knitting and crochet will assume that knitting needles and crochet hooks are the same thing, but they're not knitting needles. You need a pair with pointy ends. Crochet, you just need one single hook with a hooked end. They come in all different shapes and sizes and colors made from different materials and there are a few things that you do need to know about crochet hooks. So different materials. I have a few different ones in my personal collection. Uh, the first ones I ever used were metal crochet hooks. That's what my mum used. So that was the first crochet hook I ever bought was a grey metal crochet hook. And it served me well. I still have my very first one I ever owned in my crochet hook collection. I love working with the metal crochet hook. The yarn glides across it beautifully. They're very sturdy. They last forever. Like I will only ever need one of each size that I use. So I, I do love the metal crochet hooks are definitely my favorite. Another that I have in my collection are plastic crochet hooks. These I don't use quite as often. I do have a preference for the metal hooks. In fact, I'm, I'm using metal hooks with a soft grip handle at the moment. Loving those. The plastic ones my hands get a little sweaty if I'm working crochet in summer with acrylic yarn and the yarn tends to just not glide quite as smoothly across plastic. My plastic hooks are pretty though. They're really pretty. They're kind of a transparent tinted colored plastic hook with glitter through them. They're really, really pretty. And yes, I say they're not my favorite and sometimes the yarn can grab a little. They don't, it doesn't glide like on a metal hook. But that is really, really, really nitpicking on my part. If all that was available to me was a plastic crochet hook, it would not be a deal breaker at all. I would still use it very happily. The other style of crochet hook I have is bamboo. I love how yarn glides on a nice polished bamboo hook. 
absolutely amazing. It's so smooth and they're so lightweight. And I'm always struck with a little bit of um, the giggles when I'm crocheting bamboo yarn using a bamboo hook. It's, it. I don't know, it's just fun to me. Bamboo is a great renewable resource and I love that we can make yarn from it, but we can also make crochet hooks from it. This is the one that I use least often. The hooks just aren't compatible with my personal crochet style. I find that sometimes when I loop through the yarn, it doesn't stay. It's just the hook section of it doesn't seem to be carved out in a way that works for me but I've seen other people work with my crochet hooks my bamboo ones and they do it perfectly well choosing your hook and what it's made from how it looks what it costs it's all very very personal and you may be thinking hmm Dawn you have plastic metal metal with soft grip handles bamboo should you not be clearing out and de-stashing condoing that collection that's a very good question. And we did talk about should you condo your craft way back when. I will link to that episode in the show notes for you in case you missed it. Look, yes, one day I probably will go through and maybe pass my bamboo hooks on to someone else. But for right now, I teach crochet classes and I do love to have all three different kinds of hook available so that my students can try them out and see which one they prefer. Some people prefer the bamboo over the metal. It's a very personal decision. One is not right or wrong. It depends what works for you. So when you're choosing, see if you can try before you buy. All right. The other thing that you need to know about crochet hooks is not only do they come made from different materials, of course, they come in different sizes. You tend to use larger hooks for larger projects with a larger ply of yarn. We'll go into that a little bit more shortly. But they are coded. Every different hook size is numbered differently. However, there are actually four different ways to number a hook. It can be really confusing. So what I'm going to do in the show notes and over on the blog, which you can find at dawnlewis.com.au backslash podcast 18, I will link to a conversion chart, a crochet hook conversion chart. It's going to show you the different terminology because sometimes you pick up a pattern that asks you for a H8 hook, but all you have is hooks with millimeters and it's like, what's a H8 hook? I mean, I don't know what that should be. So I'm going to link to the conversion chart so that you can figure that out. It's something I recommend you print off and keep with your crochet supplies. So the four different styles of measurements, there's metrics. So they are in millimeters. So you might have a two millimeter hook or a two and a half millimeter or three millimeter, four and a half millimeter. They tend to jump up in half sizes, but the very small ones can be in quarter centimeter sizes. So you might have a one millimeter hook, a 1.25, a 1.5, a 1.75, and then a two. And the next one is USA hook sizing. This generally has letters, at least sometimes letters and numbers. So for example, a very commonly used hook is H8. That is the equivalent to a five millimeter hook. The next one is UK or Canadian numbering. And this is numbers. The smaller the hook, the bigger the number. It doesn't make any sense to me, but there it is. So a five millimeter hook, which is an American H8, is a UK size six. And just to make it even more confusing, in Japanese sizing, 
it is different again and you would be looking at a size 8. So you can find all of that on the conversion chart and it is very handy to note on any pattern that you're using what terminology they're using and that could give you a hint as to what hook sizing they are using. So use the conversion chart, use it well. <laughs> and uh, the next thing that I wanted to talk to you about was your crochet hook collection. I often have students ask me if they need to buy a whole set of hooks. And the quick answer is no, you do not. When you are first taking up crochet, you don't know how much you're going to love it. Is this going to be something that you do a lot of? Is it something you might pick up casually in winter and all you want to make is blankets? If that's the case, you don't need a size one crochet hook. Unless you're planning on doing micro crochet, you probably don't need anything that small. If you've never seen micro crochet, I'm going to link to that in the show notes and on the blog as well. It is something else. It's so teeny, 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 tiny. You have to see it to believe it. It's absolutely amazing. But you can't do micro crochet until you really have your head wrapped around regular crochet. Depending on the project you are working on, that is the hook that you're going to use. So my recommendation, if you are making blankets, you want to make granny squares or, or blankets, I would go for around about a five millimeter hook or a H8. If you want to do amigurumi, which is a style of crochet toy, which is Japanese, they are wonderful. I, I love making them. I'll link to some resources in the show notes for amigurumi as well. Then you might need a two and a half millimeter hook. That's what I tend to use with a four ply yarn. The size hook you're using also depends on the ply of yarn that you are using and how big or small you want your project to be. So the, essentially the larger the hook, the larger the stitch, the bigger the project, right? Whereas the smaller the hook, the smaller the stitch, the smaller the project. Let's take a blanket, for example. You want a blanket to be soft and really lovely and drapey. You're going to use a larger hook to get that softer finish. If you use a small hook, you're going to get much tighter, smaller stitches, and it's going to be quite stiff. So sometimes that's a handy thing to do. And the last thing I'll say about hooks as a handy tip is if you find that when you crochet, you crochet quite tightly, but you want to make something that's softer and you find it's coming out a bit too stiff, if you go up one or two hook sizes, you'll get a softer result. Likewise, if you find that your tension when you crochet is quite loose, but you want to crochet an amigurumi toy, which needs to be quite tight stitches so the stuffing doesn't come out, if you go down one or two hook sizes, you're going to get that tighter result. All right, I think it's time to move on to number two, yarn. Just again, you cannot crochet without yarn. I don't know that it's possible. And yarn, oh my goodness. It is such a fun thing to shop for yarn and look at yarn and feel all the yarn and choose all the colours. You don't need tonnes of yarn to start with. Depends what you're working on. The question is, what yarn do I get for crochet? Well, there's no one definitive answer on that. However, when I have students come to me, I generally start them out with an eight-ply acrylic yarn. And that's for a few reasons. It is readily available. You can get eight-ply acrylic yarn pretty much anywhere. I have seen it not only in Spotlight, which is Australia's big craft store, in 
small craft stores in specialty yarn stores, if you're lucky enough to have one of those nearby. I've seen it in supermarkets and discount stores. It is easy to find eight-ply acrylic yarn. And most people honestly already have a ball or two in their home or in their stash somewhere. I've used it for doll hair and taken it, now that I'm not using it for doll hair, it's come out of that box and now it's with the crochet stuff. So choosing a yarn, look, there's a lot of things to take into consideration. Depends what you're working on. If you you want to consider the fibres, the style of fibres that the yarn is made from. I mean, I used to always say it's call it a ball of wool, but not all yarn is made from wool. I tend not to use wool, actual wool these days because one of my best friends I spend a lot of time with, She's quite allergic to wool and I do not want to aggravate her allergy at all. So I tend to stick to acrylic. I love cotton and I love bamboo. I even have something that's got a silk blend. I think it's a cotton silk blend. Oh, it's so pretty. It's a baby yarn and it's so soft and beautiful. You also need to take into consideration what your pattern asks for and the ply of yarn. So there are different plies and and, an eight ply yarn is essentially eight strands that have been spun together to make one yarn. You know, I I hope that makes sense. It's very, it's a very visual thing. It's hard to describe it verbally. So an eight ply yarn is going to be thicker than a four ply yarn. And a four-ply yarn is going to be thicker than a two-ply or a three-ply yarn. But then you can get quite thick ones like 10 or 12-ply. Here's the thing about the different plies of yarn. A larger ply is going to give you a bigger finished piece. I have made a blanket from four-ply yarn and that was a long, long slog. It's a very fine, fine, fine yarn. It's what I usually use for making toys. I love a four-ply cotton for making toys and I use that because it's appropriate to the thing I want to make. So let's say there's a new baby and I want to crochet some little crochet balls I love making a little baby ball with some bright colors, maybe stripes on it because they can throw it at their sibling or throw it at dad's head or whatever, you know, babies, you know, bite it. It's not going to hurt anyone and they can be washed. And the reason that I prefer to use cotton in baby toys and amigurumi toys is it doesn't peel. There's no fuzzy, fuzzy, fuzzy bits. They're not going to mat. It just lasts longer and you can throw it in the wash. So it can be loved and played with and loved and played with and washed over and over and over again. So it's not going to mat up and get grungy looking anytime soon. But if it's a blanket, I want it to be soft and fuzzy and lovely and warm. I'm not going to use cotton for a blanket. I have done once. It was a lightweight kind of summer baby cot throw. But for the most part, if I'm making a blanket for winter, if I want something to, you know, have a throw on the lounge for, you know, putting over your lap while watching TV, I'll use eight ply acrylic yarn. I don't need it to be super, super warm, like made from wool or alpaca yarn or something like that. I just want it to be, you know, kind of inside in front of the air conditioner warm. So choosing yarn, you want to think about the ply, think about the project you're working on, the longevity of it. Also think about your budget. You know, if you're making a blanket, 
and it's going to need 10 balls of yarn and you're looking at a yarn that's $20 each, that's going to be a really expensive blanket. And sometimes you just need something that is quick to make and it's just for around the house and maybe you want to look at a $2 or $3 ball of yarn for that blanket. You also want to look at the feel of it and the colours. Oh, choosing the colours, that is honestly the best part. So have a look around and you are going to need yarn. I give you full permission to buy at least one ball of yarn to learn how to crochet. But I think we should keep moving because I could talk about yarn all day. It's just, it's so nice. Okay, number three, a pattern. When you are learning crochet, you need a pattern. You 100% absolutely need a pattern. Yes, you can make up your own patterns, but you do need to have been crocheting for a while before you're able to do that because you need to learn the stitches and how they interact with each other and all that jazz. Look, there's a few things that you do need to know about patterns. Just like there are different codes for crochet hooks, there are actually three different terminologies for crochet stitches. Mostly here in Australia, the most common one is the UK terminology. I'm going to link to another conversion chart for you in the show notes and over on the blog. So check that out. UK terminology is most commonly used, but I learned with USA, American crochet terminology. There is also this amazing chart, like a pictorial chart with symbols on it. Now, stitches are the stitches, but in the UK and in the USA and on a chart, they are represented by different codes. This came into uh, sharp relief for me when I co-wrote a crochet pattern book with my mother. I learned American crochet terminology. My mother knew UK terminology. So we had to figure out, I had to take all of the patterns that I had written in American terminology and translate them all into UK. When choosing a pattern, right at the beginning, there should be a table, like a key that tells you what all the abbreviations are, like CH is chain. And it should also mention whether or not the pattern has been written in UK or USA terminology. If it doesn't, there is a little detective work that you can do. If the pattern mentions single crochet, it is American terminology because that phrase does not exist in UK terminology. If all of the stitches look quite short and they're referred to as double crochet, then that means that you are looking at a UK terminology pattern. So it can be a little tricky. And look, if all else fails, you can always contact the pattern writer and ask them which terminology they're using. The charts are something different. There's actually no writing in a crochet chart. It is all represented by symbols. I first found one on Pinterest and I will link to an example of a crochet chart in the show notes and you can see that on the blog as well. That is something that takes a little while to wrap your head around but once you figure it out, oh my goodness, charts are amazing because there's no writing, there's nothing left to interpretation. It's all set out. You can see the entire pattern in symbols. Which size stitch needs to go into which place is quite something else. So once you wrap your head around them, I do recommend uh, learning about symbol charts because they're, they're amazing. They're really fascinating to me. 
When it comes to patents, the last thing you need to know is that not all patents have been pattern tested. I've had at least two students come to me this year thinking that they were making an error with their pattern. They were reading it wrong. They were doing the stitches wrong because it just wasn't working out the way it looked in the book. And on close investigation of their patterns, it turns out it wasn't them at all. The pattern was wrong. Now, a long time ago, magazines used to have several editors. Someone would even patent test on occasion. And nowadays, it just doesn't happen. There's down to one editor and things just aren't patent tested. It's easy for a typo to slip through, the wrong stitch to be recommended, a line to be missed out. And there's no patent testing for a lot of patterns anymore. I'm not saying all patterns aren't patent tested. Some patent writers are really fastidious about that kind of thing. They make sure and they actually send their patterns out to patent testers who will check it out and advise them of any errors. Personally, I know when I'm designing a pattern, I will crochet that thing over and over and over and over again to make sure that what is written down is what you need to do. I, I think the first pattern I wrote, I must have crocheted that owl about 17 times to really make sure I had it right. I was paranoid I was going to get it wrong. So that's a pattern that I'm very happy with. So sometimes the patterns, they're not written right. They're not printed right. There are errors. There are typos. It's helpful when buying a pattern to check out the pattern writer. Do they have any reviews? Check out the reviews. I've bought many patterns from Etsy. Ravelry is a fantastic place to pick up patterns as well. You can find ones for free. You can find ones you pay for. I like the ones I pay for because I know that they have, generally speaking, been tested. And I can look at reviews from other people who've bought the pattern and they can tell me whether it was easy to use or not. I've also found pattern writers are really happy to get some feedback. If I find an error, I will let them know and uh, they appreciate that. I know certainly if I had an error, I would love it if someone let me know. So just be aware that not all patterns are created equal. And a lot of the times a free pattern that you might find via a link on Pinterest, it may not be actually correct. And this leads me very nicely into number four, a teacher. When you are starting out crocheting for the first time, it is incredibly helpful to have someone showing you what to do and correcting you along the way. A teacher is that person. Now, you can find teachers at specialty yarn stores, craft stores, sewing machine centres, community centres, church craft groups. You may know someone who crochets or their mum crochets or their nan or their aunt or their cousin crochets. And you can say, hey, would you or your aunt or your nan or your cousin be willing to help me get started on this? Look, I crochet. I love helping people figure it out. It's a wonderful craft. It's inexpensive, it's portable, it's relaxing, it's like meditation for me and you can make useful things with it, which is why it's one of my favourites. So I love helping people learn to crochet. I actually taught a friend how to crochet on a plane flight from Melbourne to Sydney. It's just something that's fun for me to do. And maybe you have somebody near you who can help you as well. The advantage of going to a teacher over doing it alone is that they can help you on the spot. They can see what you're doing 
and correct it because there are all these little micro movements within the crochet experience that you need to know. I mean, you could maybe have someone teach you via Skype, but you'd have to have a really good camera, have a great connection so that they can really see what you're doing. There's something as simple as just partially turning, spinning, rotating the hook as you draw it through can make a huge difference to your success or failure learning a particular stitch. So find a teacher. Now, when I started learning, I actually tried to get my mum to teach me, but mum crochets lightning fast. Man, she is fast. And she's been doing it a really, really, really long time. Not only that, my mum is left-handed. I just... At the time when she was trying to teach me, I just couldn't pick it up. I was having trouble keeping up and I couldn't wrap my head around it. It was some years later that I found a gorgeous pattern on Etsy of a crochet seahorse toy, an amigurumi. That's why I love it so much. The first thing I ever made was a crochet seahorse for my mum. I wanted to learn how to crochet and make this for her and surprise her. And my teacher was a video tutorial on YouTube. I found a video tutorial on how to crochet an amigurumi ball and I just started from there. I'd never crocheted before and so I found one that was in US terminology because that's what the pattern was in. I didn't even realize that that's what I was doing. I just got lucky and I sat in front of YouTube with one hook and one old ball of yarn that I had lying around the house. The hook was from when I tried to learn years before. I had literally one hook, one ball of yarn. And I sat in front of that video and I did what she did and I paused it when I needed to, to keep up. I would get to the end of that ball, unpull it and start the video again and just go again. And I did that over and over and over and over dozens of times. I don't know how many times I must've done it at least a dozen times a day, every day for weeks. And I started to wrap my head around it. So the YouTube could also be your teacher if you don't have a person, a real life person to teach you how to do it. YouTube is an excellent resource for learning new stitches and just learning in general. It's it's how I learned and I think it was a great way to learn. Now, as we go into this list, we're coming to some of the smaller things. So number five, scissors. I know it might seem like this is an obvious thing, but I actually made sure, make sure that I keep a pair of scissors with my crochet gear because the last thing I want is to be crocheting a little set of angel wings, which only takes me a few minutes and then get to the end of it and then I have to get up and go and hunt out a pair of scissors. You need scissors because you just can't snap yarn. Acrylic yarn, just it just I've never been able to do it. If you can do it, I'm impressed. You need a pair of scissors. And I just have a small pair of scissors I picked up in a discount store. You can pick them up at Kmart. You don't need expensive, fancy crochet scissors. You just need scissors that are going to cut through your yarn. That's it. That's all you need. By keeping them with you, it means you can crochet on the go. And if you're just doing small motifs, I used to do a lot of hearts and a lot of little angel wings. I have video tutorials on both of those actually on my YouTube channel. So I'll link to those as well. I would sit in the hairdressers and if I had a four hour appointment where I was having foils put in and they do this and they cut your hair and then they put in the foils and then they do the, and you're constantly like 20 minutes waiting for this and 20 minutes waiting for that. And then waiting for them to do, I would take my crochet with me. I'd take yarn, pattern, hook, scissors, and I would 
need to be able to cut that thread so I could move on to my next little motif that I was making. So keep a pair of scissors with your stuff so that you don't have to go hunt around for them and you can take it on the go. So now we come to number six, a darning needle. A tapestry needle will do maybe even a doll making needle, but you do need a sewing needle with a large eye. That is because you are going to need to stitch the ends of your yarn into your finished piece. If you just tie it off, bind it off, tie your knot and cut it really close, over the years of use, that toy or that blanket or that jacket or those booties, whatever you've made, the knot can come loose. And if it just comes undone and there's no yarn tail on the end of it, the whole thing can unravel and you're going to have a great big hole in your blanket. I've fixed a few blankets for people where things have come undone over the years. So by leaving a long tail of yarn at the beginning and at the end of your work and wherever you change colours or go from one ball of yarn to the next, it means you can use the darning needle to stitch that yarn back through your stitches and hide it away in there and you don't have any little end bits of yarn sticking out. So that's the other thing I used to take with me on the go because I could sew in the little ends and be done with it. Now, there is a seventh thing on this list, and that is patience. When you are learning to crochet, you need to have some patience. This is not something you are going to pick up and be able to do instantly. There's a learning curve involved in this for sure. And the reason you need patience is because there is this one thing, and I've seen more people quit because they don't have the patience to get past this one awkward thing than any other reason. The stitches, the stitches are not hard. Crochet stitches are quite simple and you can find tons of resources about stitches. The one thing that makes people quit crochet before, just before they're going to get good at it is tensioning the yarn in your non-hook holding hand. So I'm right-handed, I hold my hook in my right hand and I feed my yarn through tensioning it through the fingers of my left hand. This is an action that is really weird. Like it's really awkward. It feels odd and your fingers don't know what to do and how do you hook your yarn in and it feels really weird and you, your yarn's too tight and then it's too loose and it feels awkward and odd and irritating and this is the one thing that makes people quit because they can't figure out the tensioning in their other hand of the yarn. So if you can persist and have patience with this process, once you learn and become comfortable with the way you tension yarn in your other hand, you can crochet anything. Really, honestly, the stitches aren't that complicated. Start simple. And here's my recommendation. Do some crochet every single day. And it doesn't matter what you're crocheting. Do like me. I crocheted and then I would pull it undone and then I would go again. Tensioning the yarn in your other hand, it's not set and forget. You don't just set it up when you first pick up your work and it stays like that. You are constantly readjusting it, constantly. You've got to pull more yarn from the ball. You're constantly readjusting it. The way one person does it 
is going to be very different to the way another person does it. Honestly, I think you could line up 50 crocheters and see at least 40 different ways that they tension yarn in their hand. Some people loop it around all fingers. Some people just have it around their thumb and their pinky. There are all sorts of ways. I've broken it down for one student to some very, very, very minute actions. And for me now, it's so automatic the way I hook it up. If someone asks me to show them step-by-step how I do it, I can't because I do it from muscle memory, not I do this, then I do this, then I do this. So this is the one thing. If you can get past how awkward it feels and then have it become feel more natural and more natural to make it something you do by muscle memory alone, then the sky's the limit. You'll be able to learn those stitches and make some amazing things. So please have patience with yourself, have patience with whoever's trying to teach you and give yourself a little bit of grace, but practice, practice, practice. The more you do it, the more comfortable and natural it's going to feel in your hand. Now, I love crochet. It is my meditation. It helps me zone out. I love crocheting all sorts of things and you can crochet for some amazing charities. I've seen people um, knitting and crocheting all sorts of things for charity. My mum runs a, a knitting a, a yarn group in her hometown and a bunch of ladies come along and do all these different kinds of crochet. There's broomstick crochet and Tunisian crochet. Look, I like basic crochet. I like to sit and just do the stitches, do the stitches, repetition, repetition. It's like completely zoning out. I do have a few hints for you and I did want to talk about amigurumi. So amigurumi is a Japanese style of toy making crochet. It is just amazing what you can do with some crochet cotton and a hook. You can make dolls, you can make seahorses, you can make dragons. I saw today on Facebook, no word of a lie, a full head-to-toe Halloween costume of the alien from the movie Aliens made for a child completely out of crochet. There are all these incredible things you can do with crochet. Amigurumi I love because it is something practical and beautiful, handmade with love, making toys for kids that they can play with and love and use that can be washed and played with again and taken on adventures is a really beautiful thing. I just love to make amigurumi toys. So my preference for amigurumi, I like to use crochet cotton. Uh, for, oh, for many years, I've used Milford threads, which is one that you can pick up in Spotlight. It's a fantastic four ply. I do mine quite small, but amigurumi doesn't have to be done like that. My sister makes toys made out of crochet. She has some patterns on her Etsy store. I will link to those as well. She's got a great house elf pattern for your wizarding fans uh, and these big Byron Bay hippies and a rainbow serpent. I crochet really small. My sister crochets big and you can make them from acrylic yarn or wool or alpaca or bamboo or whatever you like. So toys can be amazing because Kids are going to play with them. They're going to make memories with these toys. And crochet is really quite hard wearing, especially if you make sure that, you know, you sew those ends in. It's also quite safe for them as well. You can use safety eyes, which are fantastic, and make all these different things. So I'll link to a few examples in the show notes and on the blog of 
my personal favorites. I'm currently working on a crochet cockatoo. I also have a pattern for a platypus just for some uh, overseas friends' kids. And I picked them up from an Australian Etsy seller. I'll link to those patterns as well, her shop. It's just gorgeous and I absolutely love them. Could I have designed some myself? Yes, I could. But it would have taken me a long time to figure it out. And this girl has just figured it out. They're so gorgeous. Her patterns are really good, very easy to read, and I'm getting great results from them. So why would I reinvent the wheel and spend hours and hours and hours figuring it out from scratch when someone else has already done so and I can support another artist? That's something that I really love to do. So I'll link to that one as well. And I've also done some crochet for charity. So the little angel wings I mentioned that I was crocheting before, I crocheted a lot of them when I was doing some angel gowns charity work a few years ago. And I used to also crochet blankets for that charity as well. So have a look around. Do any of your local charities or favorite charities need crochet done for them? I will link to the angel gowns charity that I have done some work with. I was crocheting a baby little premi, teeny tiny premi booties and bonnets and blankets and angel wings and they're little things that I could do quickly they didn't take much yarn and I was helping somebody out by using my skills so this is one of those instances where you can take your crafting skills and turn them into your superpower by making somebody else's day a little bit brighter if you've been considering taking up crochet as a new hobby or maybe picking it up after a little bit or a long bit of a break from it, I hope you have so much fun with it and find someone with whom you can share your joy of crochet. Thanks so much for joining me in the craft room today. You can find links and other information about today's episode in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving a review on iTunes or Stitcher. I'd really appreciate that. I do hope you have a very crafty day and I will see you next time. Bye for now.